Welcome to Let's Get Unraveled, a place where artists from all walks of life come to share their unabridged stories and speak openly and candidly about their creative journeys. We're so happy you're here. Hi, everybody. I'm Co Hodges, co-founder and lead instructor at Unraveled Academy. And today I get to chat with a man who needs no introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyways. Ace Fanning is many things for Unraveled, a lead instructor, an expert, a retreat speaker, and an advocate for our growing community. We could not love him more. So Ace, thank you so much for being here. Ooh, what a fancy little introduction I get. Yeah, I was ready for you. <laughs> <laughs> I was ready. Well, you you mean so much to me. And for those of you that don't know Ace and my relationship, um, he was actually my very first mentor um, and truly gave me the gift of seeing myself from an outsider's perspective uh, and what I was potentially capable of. And I'm always grateful, grateful as hell to him for what he gave me. So you always um, say that, but I'm like, you, you did the work. All I said was like, mm. I don't know. I see you in person and I see your online stuff and there's a big difference between those two things. Oh my gosh. You're so full of shit. The whole day, the whole day of mentorship. And I do feel like the universe led me to you or you to me, whichever, um, for a purpose. And now like years later, what we've been able to do together and what you've meant to me and my family, it's just been really incredible. So like, it's more than that. You know what I mean? No, I get it. And I, I totally, I 100% agree with you. I think that it's it's definitely a much bigger thing. I, I think that most of the time, you know, I, I try to believe that nobody comes into your life just by chance. Right. I try to think that everyone serves some purpose. And sometimes it's an awful negative purpose. Like, <laughs> For sure. <laughs> you know, but then, you know, there's people who come into your life and it's meant to happen. You're supposed to learn from them. You're supposed to yeah. teach them. You're like... And that's a big thing with relationships. Relationships should always be a give and take. Like, yes, you came to me for a mentoring, but in all that time, like I learned from you, you learned from me. We both learned from each other. I think that's Mm -hmm. the cool thing about Unraveled is even though I'm lucky enough to wear this title of like, hey, I'm an expert. At the same time, I'm still learning from everybody. Right. You and I, we just did that yin and yang workshop and I'm doing this whole uh, Lightroom editing thing. And yes. one of the people in attendance, Erin Green, raised her hand. She's like, do you know about the auto mask? And I was like, no, like, shut up. I'm trying to talk. And she's like, well, this is what it does. And she explains it. And I'm like, holy shit. Like my I whole know. life is changed from this one little button. And, <laughs> you know, know, like it's when Your people think that they have nothing left to learn. Oh my God. I was like, you go and you tried it and you were like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) This is amazing. Oh, it was so good. But it's true. It's true. We're all learning from each other. And and that's a a huge part of the Unraveled mission. And what we stand for is that we're all shoulder to shoulder. Um, There's no hierarchy here. Um, We're all learning from each other. So it's been really great. Let's dig in. Okay, babe. Okay, let's do it. Are you ready for this? Okay. Number one, though, can you please tell everybody where you live and what work you primarily do? Um, I live in Phoenix, Arizona. And for the most part, you know, I'm a portrait photographer. I cannot, for the life of me, take a picture if there's not a face in it. It just it doesn't make sense <laughs> to me. Like, like ugh, your fucking flower, your mountains. Like, I don't care. I don't – I do not – 
I appreciate it when I see it in other people's work, but I just don't want to even lift my camera for it. Right. Um, So I primarily shoot families, high school seniors. Um, I shoot a good chunk of couples and every now and then I will shoot a, um, a wedding here and there, Mm -hmm. but I have to be very choosy about when I do it and who the couple is. Right. <clears throat> oh, absolutely. And I love your wedding work. And I remember when you were really starting to think about that as like a primary option. And but I think you're you're right about it needing to be the right couple. Um like and- we recently we just shot this couple not that long. We shot their wedding and it was like they met in they started originally dating in seventh grade and <sighs> She broke up with him because he tried to kiss her at the movies. And she was like, whoa, moving too fast. Um, <laughs> but they rekindled their love again in high school. And it's just like, they're they're literally best friends. And mm. like me and my wife, like we are best friends. Like I'm not, there's nobody else I'd rather call like other than my wife. So like getting to just be with them and being like, this is about them. There's a lot of people. Um, let's talk about the freaking uh, Marissa Fox lady on <laughs> Instagram who did this whole elaborate engagement. And, you know, really? she she records this whole thing. It's not about them. It's about everybody else. It's about the attention. And there's so many people like maybe not on that big of a scale, but there are so many people out there who are just all they want to do is just make this grand event and make it about everybody else. I'm like, I don't want to shoot that. No. No. I want to shoot people who are just focused on, you know, them. That should be the focus of the day. Well, at the end of the day and at the end of our lives, what really matters truly, and it's the togetherness, it's the the real story, it's the this was mom and dad or this was grandma and grandpa or whoever it might be, you know, that's what was real and authentic and beautiful. Yeah. If a bride ever emails me and is like, hey, I want you to shoot my wedding. We have 25 bridesmaids and 25 groomsmen. I'm like, yeah, uh, I'm not going to be there. Fuck that. Like, <laughs> there comes a point when that's it's no longer about you guys. It's about everybody else. And I just I don't want to be there for it. I'm I'm I am literally someone like I cannot get myself to even pick up my camera if I'm not at least 75 percent invested. Right. I just, I have to care about what I'm doing. And if I don't care about you because your day is this whole spectacle about everything else, it's, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not going to be there. (laughs) Oh my God. I love it so much. There's so much we could say about the wedding industry in general, but we'll keep that for maybe part two. Okay. Okay. So today we're talking about mental health. Mm Mm-hmm. In your opinion. favorite thing to talk about. I know. Well, this is what's so beautiful about you and we're going to get into this in a little bit, is how much you really are helping people by sharing. Um, So in your opinion, where are we truly falling short as a community in regard to mental health awareness? I think it would be really shitty of me to not at least acknowledge that we've gotten better. Oh, yeah. We've come such a long way. Um, I think a big part of where stuff falls flat is number one, the older generations. We're not going to change them at this point. Like they've been raised to keep this stuff hush, hush, you know, sweep it under the rug, just pretend it doesn't happen. We're not going to change them. And so we have to, you know, they're a big thing that I think stand in the way of people getting help. There's people right now listening to this podcast. They're let's say 
35, 40 years old and their parents are like 60, 70 and they grew up in a home where we just pretended we didn't talk about it. Right. And so now these people are like, no, I'm surrounded by these other people who are opening up about their struggles and what they go through, but it's so paralyzing to them to open up. Right. And it's like, it's shitty. But I think other than the old people, um, <laughs> I think the other place where we fuck up is on social media, obviously. Um, I'm so sick of people going on Instagram and just being like, guys, like I just am so authentic. I just want to connect with you guys. And it's just like, I want to show you the real real. Like I'm going to show you the real. And it's like, you don't show us the real. You're still showing us your curated content. Like, Mm -hmm. And you're still just being a fake bitch. And it's like, what (laughs) what pisses me off is that like, there are people who are not educated enough on social media, or I don't want to say educated enough. They're not immersed in it enough to realize that you're a fake bitch. Right. And you put on this fake persona of all this stuff and it makes people feel inadequate. It makes people feel like, Oh God, this is her real. It's still just really great. Like God, my <laughs> life sucks. You know, <laughs> for sure. I even then, fall into that sometimes. I'll be looking and I'm like, Oh God, that's way better than what I got going on. And, and oh, we all way fall into better. it. Oh, totally. It's hard. It's hard not to. And then and we all fall to differentiate. Into it. We all fall into it. Sorry, I keep talking over you. <laughs> oh my God, you're totally fine. <laughs> we all fall into it in different ways too. Like yeah. as a, let's say, you know, a stay-at-home mom who's with her kids, like she follows these blogger moms and she sees this mom who's like, oh yeah, we bring our kids to Hawaii every week and we feed them straight out of coconuts and we're all organic and like my kids eat seaweed. And it's just like, then this mom's giving her kid goldfish and she's like, fuck, I'm like the worst mom in the world. It's like, first of all, your kid's alive. You're doing fine. Okay. Your kid is not addicted to meth. You're above a certain percentage of people in the world. That's great. Um, but I fall into it with photographers. I see photographers out there just killing the game. And I, it would not be a talk of mine if I didn't mention her, but like Stormy Solis is someone for me who every single time I'm like, Oh, fuck me like come on like you're so good at what you do and like Mm -hmm. you capture such great moments i'm like i want to be you and the only reason i'm mentioning her is because i literally always mention her anytime people ask me about like the comparison i always go directly to her so i pick on her Um, (laughs) she loves you so much (laughs) you know it's 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 so hard for us to realize like hey this person's we're again it's it's so stupid, it's so cliche, but like everyone is putting out their highlight reel. Right. And we hear that and we're like, oh yeah, we know. And we realize we do that too. But we just have this hard time realizing, like really letting that sink in. Like, wow, this is just this person's, they're putting their best stuff out there and, you know, and I'm, I'm not even necessarily mad at the people who are creating the content. And I'm not mad at the people who are buying into it. I think what I'm mad at is the people who are creating the content, but pretending that it's something else. Right. Does that make sense? 100%. Yes. I, okay. I look, because I feature people every day. Mm -hmm. I look at Instagram a lot. Mm -hmm. I look at Facebook a lot. 
I'm constantly doing critiques on websites. I'm constantly doing copy editing or or helping people find their voice on their social media or website, right? And so I see a lot of this stuff. It's a huge like volume on the daily of stuff. And so I feel like I have created my levels where I'm like on a scale of zero to 10 of bullshit, right? And I have to call myself on it every once in a while because every once in a while, it'll be like, oh, like I just, whether you're getting through something or dealing with an issue and you really just don't want to be, you don't want to talk about your dark right then. Mm -hmm. So it is a little bit of a highlight reel. It's the good stuff. And, you know, you have to really be mindful that it is really authentic to you and not to use that word too much, but that you truly are being the real you. And let me say, sorry, no, you're fine. I I just, this is one of the things I've been focused on is like, I am someone like I try to share a lot of bad. And actually I've gotten to a point where it's easier for me to talk about the bad because I can go deep and I can connect and like that, you know, I'm like such a drama queen, like that's (laughs) easy for me. Right. I'm not saying that everyone needs to go out and share the bad, but what, what frustrates me is when people go out and make up this good when mm-hmm. everything's falling apart. Right. You know, like right. when someone's like, oh my God, like I literally am just so thankful for my hubs and my hubby for always being my number one supporter. And then you get on the phone with them and they're like, my husband's telling me I need to quit right now because this is the worst thing ever. And he hates it. I'm like, why, why are we doing this? And I think it's sad because some people do it because they want to believe it. They it's okay. So absolutely. And I'm going to say something real quick because I've been there Mm -hmm. and this is a projection of what we want. Right. And it's really sad when you realize it. It's a projection of what we want. And I see it a lot because ever since I started really talking openly about my divorce and my ex husband and our relationship and our issues and verbal and emotional abuse on the back end when it's really dark and no one can see it, ever since I started opening up about that, I probably get anywhere in between five and 10 messages a day of women who are considering leaving their husbands. And it's very specific to women. Um, I don't. I don't think I've ever gotten a message from a man about this, but um, questioning if divorce is the right thing for them, questioning you know their their whole platform of what family means and and the stereotypes and the stigma and all of that. So five to ten messages a day, women considering this, right? Mm-hmm. You'd be blown away by who's messaging me, yeah. Because on the outside, they look great. They look great. They look happy. They've got their, you're like you're saying, number one fan, and but that's not it. And I'm not saying that that can't be true for a lot of people. It's just really fascinating when you see the reality. And I've also been that person, and you saw me go through that. You saw me transition from a woman who was projecting into my business even what I wanted from my spouse. I wanted him to be supportive. I wanted him to be my number one fan. I wanted him to come with me to events when I was being featured or speaking. That never happened. Yeah. And I, but I pushed, I was like, oh, he, he built me. So one time when I was doing Pose Newborn, I did that for a couple of years. He built me, um, uh, like a shelf like thing in my studio for newborn bonnets and to organize my stuff. I plastered that shit everywhere. That was on Instagram. That was on Facebook. I was talking about, it. I was like, can you believe he did this for me? My number one fan, blah, blah, blah. And, but on the back end, it was dark. It was dark and he wasn't supportive. It was a projection of what I really wanted my life to be. And 
And that, like, I get that. And I get that, like, you're, you know, he did do something good. And you're like, I'm going to talk about this until I can't talk about it anymore. Right. This fucking shelf is going in the fucking <laughs> Hall of Fame. <laughs> for sure. But for sure. sometimes for other people, I'm just like, your silence does so much more for other people. Because it just doesn't make people think, like, you know, and I'm not saying like if he builds that shelf, I fully give him credit for that shelf. And that's an exciting moment because in that moment, also what's happening with you is you're believing it. You're believing, hey, he's coming. He's showing up. He's yeah, here cool. for this. Right. This is like, finally, he built this shelf. We are making it. And that I understand. But there are times where like, I literally feel like people, they have a huge blow up or whatever. And they just get on Instagram and they're like, things have been so great lately. I've never been happier. And I'm like... <laughs> Right. It just makes other people feel like shit. And I'm not saying like, I also, I don't want people to think that they have to constantly do this emotional dump all over Instagram. That's what I do. Like I, <laughs> Instagram is my therapy. Like you read right. those captions. You're like, oh fuck. He's got another long one. Like, <laughs> yep. And at the bottom, it says continued in comments. I'm going to keep on going, but it's, that's what works for me. That's not everybody. Not everybody's going to be as open as that. But sometimes if you don't want to be open, stay a little bit more closed. Don't do that fake opening. Don't right. give us this oasis, you know, in the desert and be like, Oh yeah. Like everything's so great. And it's not right. Cause that hurts people as dumb as that sounds. It does hurt people. It does hurt people. Well, and also to the volume and we could like, and this is in a marriage episode, but the volume of issues inside marriages is exponential. And to ignore that fact, and I actually just did an interview this uh, this past week um, with another creative about divorce and kind of trying to normalize the concept of uncoupling and not to make it like you should just get divorced. But to release the stigma that is placed on people who consciously uncouple because it's unhealthy. And and the thing about mar marriage is hard. Marriage is super hard. It, it needs compromise. You need boundaries. You need love and support. You need a neutrality. You need to be shoulder to shoulder and toe to toe. Like you need all of these things. It's hard work. And to kind of undermine that is doing everybody a disservice. You know what I mean? Like to to make it seem like it's easy breezy, no big deal. We're all in matching pajamas and magically lined up on this white wall and in the perfect order of our age and height <laughs> is doing everybody a disservice on what marriage and family really looks like. Yeah. And I mean, I also think people need to realize too is that you know, I'm going to use your story as an example, but I remember when you came to me and you said, hey, um, things have just been getting really bad and we're getting divorced. And I said, OK, like. I will support you 100 percent and I supported you all the way through your divorce. And then, you know, I saw you you go into your rental and you did all this stuff. And then I remember the day you came to me and you said, hey. We're getting back together. And mm -hmm. I said, okay, I am going to support you. Like sometimes people think that your friends need to be your therapist. Right. And, or 
actually a therapist is a bad example because a therapist isn't supposed to tell you what to do. Sometimes friends think that they need to be your guiding light. Like, listen to me. I know best, yada, yada, yada. And what I always try to tell people is be a mirror of your friend. So when you come to me and you say, hey, I think, you know, we're getting back together. And the first question I ask you is, are you happy? And you say, absolutely, I'm happy. You know, if you came to me and you were like, oh, you know, we're getting back together, but I don't know, I've got some serious doubts about this. And I'd say, okay, well, what are your doubts? Talk to me about those doubts. Let's talk about those. But so often I think people just want to push onto other people like their own experiences. And that also becomes toxic because we, we start to get this group think mentality. Right. Well, and it's, it's interesting too, like having gone through it myself, obviously when I'm telling my friend, my closest, dearest friends, I'm getting back together with my ex-husband <laughs> after they saw everything that I went through to leave him the first time, mm-hmm. obviously there's red flags. But the biggest thing there is just like you're saying, all you can really do is support because it's something that the person has to go through and in order to end up where they're supposed to be, which I did, you know, and it got worse. It got way worse before it got better, but it was something I had to experience in order to end up where I'm at today, which is really interesting because I think about like where I was at at that time, I was two weeks out from closing on a piece of land. I was going to buy a piece of land out in the desert. We were going to build a house, my kids and I, right? And I remember telling you all about that. Two weeks prior to me closing on that piece of land, I got back together with my ex-husband. Canned that idea, used my money to buy us therapy, a couple's retreat, um, move back in with him and set our life back up like it was supposed to be. And what happened after that was it fell apart. It got way worse than it was before gnarly, gnarly stuff happened. And I ended up buying a house in the suburbs, which is just about two miles from him, which was way different than my previous plan. But I can't even tell you how grateful I am for that because I'm really happy where we are and the kids are doing really well. And so it's interesting how like I had so much support from my friends, so much support from my friends. And I had to do this gnarly thing to end up where I was supposed to be. And imagine if that you came to me and you said, hey, we're getting back together. And I would have said, no, 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 you're not. You're not doing that. And then, you know, let's say you listen to me and you're like, okay, I'm not. And I'm tying this all back into mental health. But let's say in that moment, you're like, okay, you know what? A said, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to leave it. Well, how do we know that for the next five, 10, 15 years, you don't constantly think about what if I had done it? Right. Now that guilt is on me. Right. And I truly believe that with mental health, everyone has to experience life in their own way and they have to go through their own things. And we can't try to, you know, walk on eggshells for everybody. It doesn't work. And, you know, sometimes people are going to go through hard times. And I, I will tell you firsthand Everything that I went through at the time was awful with, you know, my self-harming, my suicide attempt, and all the bullying that went along with all of that. It was awful. But now, being 29 years old, I'm so thankful for all of it. Because had that not happened to me, I mean, honestly, I know deep down in me is like, 
I say this all the time. There's a reason that God made sure I wasn't pretty because he was like, you would be a monster. (laughs) So deep down in me, there is this monster. And it's like, had I grown up like not going through that, I probably would be a monster to this day. But I think that's not who I am. I'm someone like I truly want to help people. And I want to help people who've been through the same situations that I've been in before. Um, So I have... I have a podcast. It's called Beyond the Secret. And recently I I did an interview and I don't know when I'm actually going to put it out there because there's a whole other part that I'm working on with it. But it was this woman. And I had actually found this woman way before the podcast. Years before the podcast, there was this GoFundMe and her son had had a suicide attempt and they had to put him on life support. Mm-hmm. And I just at at some point it came to me and I was like, you need to find this woman. You need to reach out to her and you need to ask if you can interview her. And what came from that interview, I think was good for her, but there was so much therapy in that for me because I related and I kept telling her, I'm like, I relate so much to your son. Her son is almost the exact same age that I was when I went through the stuff. He went through similar things that I went through and you know, it's, it's this insane moment where I'm like, I'm so thankful that I went through this because otherwise I may have never known about your son. I may have never connected with your son. And, uh, you know, all I want is to help him now. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh my gosh. I can't wait to listen to that one. And your podcast is brilliant, by the way. Thank you. Truly. Can you tell everybody how that started? Just real quick sidebar and then we'll get back into our juicy stuff. Yeah. So I was really bored one day and I was like, you know what? I want to see if people will do this. And I had this idea and I was like, I want to put out on my stories. Just, you know, you can put the little question tab on your stories. And I said, tell me a secret that nobody knows about you. And I was like, I'm going to share them anonymously. I will be able to see your answers, but nobody else will be able to. And I was like, "Mm, I'm sure people will be like, oh, I picked my nose or whatever. And some of the secrets were like that, but it turned into this really like people were sharing some deep stuff with oh, yeah. stuff with me and Way it quickly deep. and there were so many people who were like oh my god like i have so many questions about this and stuff and i started light the very first interview i did was with a woman who said that she pranked phone calls her mom like once a month <laughs> and i was like let's start light let's see if there's anything here and i just interviewed her because people had follow-up questions right. and from there <laughs> it just kept turning into bigger longer deeper yeah. interviews and oh yeah yeah that's beyond the secret and i i am it's one of the things in life like i say all the time photography is not my purpose i think photography is my passion and i don't believe that god put me on this planet to take pictures but i think that my photography is a a tool for my purpose and my purpose in life is to help people who have been in situations similar to mine. And I don't mean just 14 year old boys who have committed suicide because of bullying. I mean, anyone who's been too afraid to talk about what is going on in their life and try to create a normalcy for them. And because here's the thing you're like, Oh, I'm regretting asking this, but going back to the mental health and all this stuff is, you know, their life is super complicated. Yes. Even, okay, like even for you, for example, you're a woman who you were married, you got divorced, you became a single mom, and then you got back together with the man that you were married to before. And then you guys broke up again. That's a very 
it's not a super, I'm not saying it's like, oh my God, that's the most rare thing I've ever heard. But for you, it's probably uncomfortable to tell people about that when it first happened. Mm-hmm. Oh and- yeah. For, for a while, because I, I waited until I was sure that we were committed to each other again before I even shared about it, before I even told my friends about it, you know? And then I had this post on Instagram and it got like 1500 likes about we were back together and everyone's so happy for us. And it was real. Like we really were. And for a couple months, it was great. And then slowly but surely the old cycle started back up again and it actually wound up being way worse in round two. Um, And to not uh, be disrespectful to him in any way, I'll keep some of that private, but um, it got really gnarly to the point where I left quickly. And again, part of my journey, part of the story, part of what I needed to experience to know 100,000% sure that I did everything I could to try to save my marriage with the father of my children. But then at the end, to know that leaving was okay too. And that's a really hard place to get to. And it took me a long time and a lot of darkness to not feel like I was such a big failure And to pull myself out of the dark place where I recognized that I did, you know, failed at my marriage and then did what I call the re-return, failed at that too. And then I'm, I'm here in this space with my kids and starting over yet again at age 34 and wondering what the fuck happened. And it took a little bit to get over the insecurity of that, to not feel like I was a statistic not feel like I was a dumbass, but to know that it was part of the journey and that life, like you're saying, is complex and difficult and nobody has a smooth go at life. And think about how hard it is for you because, you know, people aren't openly talking about that same situation, how hard it is for you to open up and talk to people about that. I bet you anything, when you went through your divorce, it was easier for you to talk to people because we know a lot of people who have been divorced. But the breakup, I guarantee that was probably one of the times when you most went inward. Because how do you go and talk to people if after, you know, I was, it's, it's, it's not the most norm of the story. It's not like the mainstream story that we hear. And so it's hard for us to reach out and talk to people. And my whole thing with the podcast is like, everybody has something. Mm -hmm. Let's say that your husband likes to wear high heels while he fucks you. Okay. Well, (laughs) you know, that's a thing. And maybe you want to talk about that. And maybe there's other men who want to wear high heels during sex. Like, I just feel like we're all such different people doing different things and in different places of our life. But so often we think like, oh, I'm the only one who deals with this. And we, we keep things secret and secrets, you know, make things harder to deal with. And I'm just like, Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. Let's get it out in the open because every time that I share a podcast episode, there has never been a time where someone hasn't written me a message and said, oh my God, I've been through this exact same thing. Right. So right. immediately I'm helping the person that I'm interviewing, but I'm also helping these listeners who are like, holy shit. I had a girl. Oh, this one really, really broke my heart. But mm-hmm. um, I did this interview about this girl and she was 13 when she was raped by her boyfriend and 
we go through this whole long story and the story has a lot of kind of twists and turns and stuff. And this girl wrote to me and she goes, I had to pull over the car during the interview because all of a sudden all this stuff came back to me and I'm not going to share her details, but basically it explained a lot of her life. And, you know, we, we kind of blame ourselves for, you know, the bad choices that we make or whatever, but it's like, or the bad that is done to us. Right. Exactly. Yep. You know, and it's, it's, it's just, I just, I want what I wish that we could live in and I, it's never going to fucking happen, but I wish that we could live in a world where people could just openly say like, whatever, like mm-hmm. whatever it is that you're feeling, you could say, obviously not in a mean way, but I'm talking about yourself. Like, right. Open self-reflection. Yes. Yeah. We just, yeah. we constantly have this world of judgment and that's not the norm. Right. What do you right. like? What do you mean? Like I had a lady on the podcast and her son had, or it was born her son, um, but is now a girl and transgender. And, you know, there's people and like, they've never been exposed to that. Right. Right. Which is crazy because it's just under the surface and they're just, no one's, no one's talking about it. That's the big thing. <clears throat> and I think that's the big issue with mental health. And I think too, the biggest proponent towards lack of awareness in the mental health arena is the stigma. When I was going through my divorce the first time, uh, one of the big, uh, I'll say the word weapons, uh, emotional weapons that my ex used was mental instability. So it was the idea that I was crazy, you know, and now that I have talked to so many women on so many different levels about their divorce experiences seems to be a pretty common weapon used, right? Mm -hmm. And the one, there was one time in particular where um, the kids and I were in our rental house and he was coming and we're transitioning childcare. And he told me, you know, if you knew how many people have told me to take you in and put you on meds. And this was a moment where I was irate because, and not just because of the idea of putting me down, but because of the idea of using a stigma of a true mental health dilemma of being on medication, which is completely fine, and using that as a weapon. And I said that many times. I'm like, do you have any idea how many people I know that I love in my life that truly suffer from anxiety or depression or both? As they can, you're using that, the stigma that has been a true trial for them in their lives and why people don't speak out as a weapon against me. And I'm lucky enough to, to not have dealt with either of these things. Truly so blessed, except for a little bit postpartum. But honestly, like people who deal with it on a day-to-day basis, don't use that stigma as a weapon. That's what's, what's harboring this hidden like shame and, and they're not speaking out. They're not talking about their real experiences because they're worried about what people are going to think about them. And let's let's clear the air right now. You are crazy. And <laughs> I am crazy. Like everyone is <laughs> fucking crazy. crazy. You know For who's sure. not you know who's not crazy? Who? My wife. Caitlin is oh. not crazy. Like, but she's so fucking weird. Like, what do you mean you're not crazy? Like that's you know what when i went through everything that i went through it was like 
oh my God, I'm literally crazy. Nobody else feels this exact same way. Like what is, exactly. and I, I try to talk about, you know, when I had my suicide attempt, it wasn't about, it wasn't about everything that was happening to me. It was the fact that I'm like, I literally feel so alone because I feel like I'm crazy and I'm never, ever going to feel normal. Mm. Well, guess what, America? We're all (laughs) fucking crazy. And like, if you're not crazy, you're actually not the norm. So good on you. Good on you for your great life where nothing bothers you and (laughs) you don't read too much into every single thing. Like, you know, so yeah, call me crazy. Welcome yeah. to the fucking club. I've been telling myself I'm crazy for a long time. I love you so much. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love you so much. But it, and that is so that's so true because we're all dealing with stuff. Um, and and truly, like just this last year, with the messages I've received from people, like we're all dealing with stuff. There's all dark times. Like it's it's an overwhelming, uh, eye opening experience to hear about other people's dark times and And truly, truly dark stuff. My, my therapy. So like, I don't go to a therapist. I tried it. And then I would come home and I would tell Caitlin, I'd be like, you know, I'm just not feeling the way he's doing things. Here's what I would like for him to change. And she's like, no, 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 you can't go to therapy and just (laughs) think about what he's doing wrong the whole time. I'm like, okay. So I stopped going to therapy and it, you know, but for me, all I have to do is I have to talk about it. Right. The reason I became suicidal was because I would lock everything inside and, you know, everything had to be hidden and we couldn't talk about it and yada, yada, yada. And that ate me alive. Like you look at pictures of me when I was younger and like, I literally just walked around like a little fucking skeleton. I think it was like my body just was constantly eating away at itself because Like, that's just like, dude, like you had so much anxiety built up in you. And now, unfortunately for my (laughs) wife is I have to talk endlessly about something. And as soon as like, it'll come a point where like, all of a sudden I'm like, yep, it's now out of my system. I'm good. Yeah. But but because we're, we're too scared to talk about it because, you know, let's say your husband does like to wear his heels in bed. Like, but he has this weird insecurity about the fact that he does that. And he's like, is this normal? Does this make me gay? Does this mean that I, I'm a woman? Or or does it just make you a man who wants to wear heels in bed while having sex? Right. But totally. we, 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 we make up all this other stuff because we're insecure and because we can't talk about it and we can't you know, openly express ourselves. Right. And it's frustrating. And I see it. Like I see it with kids today. Like – you know, we, this is the thing is we think we've come so far with mental health and then I'll see young kids. I have 15 nieces and nephews. Hmm. You know, I see them go through stuff and it's still not easy to talk about because you're you're embarrassed. Right. Well, you're – okay. So – and I do feel like we've come a long way, but I still think there's so much work to be done as far as the picture, the picture of what it's supposed to look like. We're still seeing it constantly. And I actually will be honest with you. We went – okay, so I took my kids to see The Secret Life of Pets too adorable movie. The kids loved it. But I will say, and I know it's, I I will be honest, I know it's a kid's movie. I know they're not going to accurately depict what marriage is really like. However, what they showed was, oh, the girl's walking her dog and the guy falls in the street and then they meet each other and they lock eyes. And then the next frame is them getting married. And the next frame is her having a baby and they're happy and they're in love. And it's fabulous. And I do feel like not only is this 
not diverse in any way to the the overarching population that is our world. How, but we're not accurately depicting what marriage is, what even meeting somebody means, what what relationships are. And although that looks fantastic, it's just not real life. I don't know how to do that better. I'm not a filmmaker, but I do think that the kids, like from a very young age, are inundated with this box that they're supposed to belong in and and what it's supposed to look like. And I'll even catch my daughter, who's going to be eight in October, I'll catch her having this very picture-perfect, idealesque concept of what relationships are supposed to be. Now she has, she's doing, you know, her father and I be divorced and now she's having a little bit different of a perspective, which might be beneficial in some ways because there's lots of kids that have gone through that and there's lots of marriages that end. But I do see it that there, there's just this huge inundation with what it's supposed to look like with this picture. And I, and it happens from a very early age. And I think, again, a disservice is being done to our young people who think they have to fit this mold. And if they don't, then they're failing. Can we talk about the movie Inside Out? Because here's the thing. So many people have an issue with Inside Out because they were like, oh, the sad character is, of course, the heavy set (laughs) character or whatever. And I like people felt the need to rip that movie apart. And here's what people need to understand is that movie told kids you can have feelings. Yes. You don't have to always be happy. You know, and Disney does make us think that sometimes. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, we we have to be this happy individual. We have to have a smile on. And if we're not, we're crazy. And I was like, I sobbed through, like, that entire movie because I'm just like, I wish I'd had this movie when I was a kid. Oh, right? Same. And I'm so thankful that like, you know, when we have kids that we will be able to raise them in a world where like people are more in tune with their feelings. Right. Right. And the, the blessing of that is huge. And people that are, are truly speaking on a large platform um, about their reality. And it's like, you know, it's, it's hard to grow up. I'll be honest with you being a sensitive male. Because people are like, come on, you little pussy. What are you doing crying over there? And it's like, well, you know, I'm just having my feelings, Dad. Um, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Guys, stop you real quick. Have you seen Amy Schumer's Growing, her special when she was pregnant? No, I've oh. already told you how I feel about Amy Schumer. Okay, well, we're going to put that to the side for a second because she's, <laughs> she talks for a little bit about that. About she's like what we're doing to males in regard to trying to make them – hyper-masculine from such a young age and it'll be like a six-year-old crying in the corner and like, man up, you pussy. (laughs) But it's so true. And she's like, he's six looking at the parent like, why? I'm six. But it's true. And and that, you know, is like a a cultural thing, I think, across many cultures um, of like the social norm that boys are supposed to be these rough, tough, no tears individuals. And why? Like that's doing them a disservice as well. Well, like we... (sighs) There's two other cultures, like the the Asian culture and like Russian culture, where like you're not allowed to have feelings. Dude, I would never have made it in either of those cultures because I have way too many feelings. And it's like, this is who God made me. God made me this guy with a whole bunch of feelings. And I cry a lot. And I every single time I watch Juno, I am in a flood of tears. Oh, I love Juno. You know, it's just like, but I'm okay with that. But there was a point when like, 
I, when I was younger and kids would pick on me and I'd start crying, they'd be like, oh, you little fucking bitch, you little girl, you need a tampon. It's like, well, yeah, to dry my eyes, I would like to have a tampon, <laughs> you know, but it's like, come on, like, right. just let kids be kids. Don't, yes. girls don't need to be this, boys don't need the bad, all fucking kids just need to be kids. Can your kid hold a fucking conversation? Like, great. That's, right. that's like, let's focus on that. I'm so over like really smart kids. I hate <laughs> smart kids. Obviously, if they're naturally like smart and they just come out like geniuses, you know, yeah. yeah, and they're like can dictate the fucking like constitution. Like, great, your your kid is smart. That's great. But like, you just see these parents who stress about like, mm-hmm. oh, we have to get okay. No, my kid is four, and his birthday is in July. We're gonna hold him back a year because he's gonna be the big, rough, tough kid mm-hmm. in in kindergarten. It's like, no, your kid just looks like a fucking idiot because he's a foot taller than everybody. But like, <laughs> right. you know, can your kid hold a conversation? Like, right. we don't need to worry about their sports careers. We don't need to worry about their education. Just let kids fucking be kids. They're going to be fine. I have one piece of parenting advice that I give everybody as a (laughs) non-parent. Oh my God. I'm so excited right now. Hold on. Okay, go. (laughs) We did a, and it's more for like new parents. I think new parents are the ones who really need to hear it. We did pictures for this family and they fostered a little girl and then they eventually adopted her and she was born at home. They gave her they left her in the corner of the living room. They would give her regular 2% milk and McDonald's French fries. And that is what she lived on for the first like three months of her life. Oh my God. And do you know what? She's fucking perfectly fine now. <laughs> so like, it, oh, oh. And on top of all that, she was born addicted to meth. Forgot, oh, forgot the big one. And she's a totally normal child now. Mm. So if you're doing a step above that, let's, you know, <laughs> let's just take the meth out of the equation. Your kids are probably going to be fine. <laughs> oh my God. I love you so much. You know, it's just like everyone and I, I get it. Everyone has their things and that's fine. But it's like, don't, don't let it become paralyzing to you. Right. Right. I agree with uh, that. You know, that is like, let's keep that as like our base, you know? Yes. McDonald's French fries, 2% milk, and newborn meth. baby at home, addicted to meth. <laughs> a step above that. As long as you don't hit there, step oh, above that, you're fine. You're and that's good. that's my advice I give to every new parent. I will say that actually is, as a parent, that's solid advice because when, especially when you're a first time mom or dad, you lose your shit over everything. I remember like I came home one day and threw everything away, all of our food, all of our soaps repurchased everything 100% organic because I was losing my shit, right? And I got a special water filters and air filters and cancers everywhere. We're all going to die. And like, it's normal. It's normal to feel that way because all of a sudden you have this life that you're in charge of and it makes makes you crazy. We're going to use the C word a lot, I think. It makes you fucking crazy. It does. And then you have another kid and then you're just trying to keep two people alive and then maybe you have more and slowly but surely you get to a place where you're like, oh, they're fine. You know? So and I'm not saying like, bit. I'm not saying you can't give your kids organic and you can't, you know, try to give them all natural stuff to prevent the cancer, but just don't like, it needs to be something like you actually care about and doesn't constantly just weigh you down. Exactly. Exactly. And for some people, they just feel like, you know, they get on Instagram and they see all these women who are like, 
don't you ever, ever let your kid have an otter pop? And it's like, good fucking God. Like, I can't do anything right. That's we true. all already feel like losers all the time. So, like, <laughs> let's get off of our pedestals a little bit and just be normal. And just be normal. Oh, my God. We do feel like fucking losers on the daily. Like, oh, I do that. I'm a, I'm a horrible parent, right? I feel like a loser and I don't even have kids. <laughs> <laughs> just wait. Just wait, babe. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait for you guys to have a baby. I am going to laugh so hard so much. But also, I'm going to love that kid so much. So I'm very excited. Um, okay. So I want to talk about something – in regards to mental health um, and loop into our retreat experience where we got to see Yan Palmer speak live. Oh, and, oh, Yan, I love her so much. And Can I say my side bit on Yan real quick? Yes, please. Okay. I'm going to be completely honest and I hope that she listens to this or maybe I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Let's see. I, going into the retreat, I had no idea who this woman was. Yeah. Like, I was like, I saw her picture on the thing and I was like, and it it was like this, she was tech like purposely out of focus in the picture. And I was like, have I heard it? Like, have I seen, I don't know who this woman is. And then I remember during the retreat, I forgot about it. And then someone's like, Yan is here. And I was like, oh, Yam, Yam is here. I forgot about Yam. And I'm like, that's not her name. It's Yan with an N, not an M. And I was like, oh my God. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go listen to her talk. And Within like three minutes, I was crying. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. And I've never loved, other than my own wife, like I've never just loved a woman more than Yan Palmer. I know. You guys really connected. And you were sitting like really closer in the front row. And I was all the way in the back. And so I was able to like watch you watching her and then her interacting with you. And she told you, you had such a great laugh. And like she really was vibing off your energy. And it was the coolest thing because truly, I, I mean, it was such like an interesting pairing of creatives. It was like, and it's so fascinating because she talks so openly about mental health. She talks so openly about uh, failures and successes and how the ebbs and flows of that is a part of life and it's natural. And so do you. And so, but it's so interesting how different you are, but how similar. And then you guys came together and it was really beautiful. But Yan said something that, really that I needed to hear at that time. And she was talking about, you know, our own personal darkness, right? Our own personal darkness and what we're dealing with and how most of us find a way to numb it, whether it's with alcohol or drugs or food or shopping or whatever it might be, we find a way to numb our personal pain. And then she proceeded to say, when we're numbing our pain, we're also numbing our joy because the two are side by side. And I just started sobbing. And I was like, yes, I can relate to that 100%. Because when you're trying not to feel the pain, you're shutting all of it down. And when we're in these situations and when we have these experiences and we're dealing with craziness or sadness or despair or loss or grief or whatever we're going through. Sometimes you have to sit in it and experience it so that we can actually feel the joy that comes after. I want to say, so here's something that I think maybe everyone needs to hear. And a lot of people think, oh, you know what a suicide attempt comes from is just someone who is constantly just in this depressive state. And I will tell you, 
that an extremely depressive state like this, you know, that constant emotional outburst that's happening, that's not suicide about to happen. That's someone who is still alive and still here. When someone goes numb, that's when you have to worry. Because when I went numb, that's when I was done. There's no point in me being here. There is no color outside. There is no smell. There is nothing. I am not happy. I am not sad. I am just this shell of a person and I have no feeling. And that is when shit gets fucking scary because I would fucking uh, more than I would, you know, sometimes I'm, you know, because I'm such an emotional person, I joke and I'm like, Oh, sometimes I wish that I could be like a sociopath and just have no feelings. (laughs) But (laughs) it's so not true. Like I would so much rather be this insanely emotional crying all the time person than I would ever want to be numb again. That fucks you up. Yes. Oh, babe. You're amazing. But no worries. I'm good. I got lots of emotions. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I love that. I want to um, segue into um, talking about how we can, as a community, improve the overall mental health awareness for everybody else. And is it just talking about it? Is it just opening up? Not everybody's ready to do that. What else can we do? I think a lot of us just need to dig deep within ourselves. Um, I think a lot of things can happen on a just, you know, it's really, really hard for people to open up on social media. And that's kind of like our go-to just because, especially in Unravel, that's how we're all connected. Right. Social media is what brought us all together. But if we think about just like our one-on-one conversations, I will tell you that like one of the things that drives me the most nuts is, you know, I come from a family who, you know, we, we have a lot of, we got a lot of feelings. We got a lot of uh, crazy going on. (laughs) And if, you know, if my nephew came to me and he's like, Oh, you know, I've been, really just having all this struggle and I've been dealing with all this stuff. And it's like, and he comes to me and I'm like, Oh man, I have no idea what that feels like. That's so fucked up. Right. Like I need you just on a one-on-one basis. Like I'm not saying, please, please dear God, don't be one of those people who makes the whole, you know, takes this person's pain and then turns it into your whole own narrative and story. That's not what I'm saying, but just people feel better not feeling alone. Mm -hmm. And if you can say, Oh my God, yeah, I've been in that same place before. Talk to me about it. They're going to feel better. Like I said, I didn't get to a suicide attempt because of the people who are being mean to me that got me to the very depressive state, but it was when I felt alone and I felt like nobody was going to understand what I was going through. And now as an adult, it's like, I talk about this stuff and people are like, whoop, whoop, me too. Yeah, yeah. You self-harmed? Me too? Whoop, whoop. We've been there. Like, it's like, we all get it now. Like, we are all in this together. And like, 
it feels good knowing like I'm not alone. Right. Connect with people one-on-one. I love that. Yeah, open up. I would say the biggest thing is be open because once you actually open up to these experiences and these other people, um, I believe that the universe shows us what we need to see and sends people in our lives that need to be there. Like we were saying earlier, like to teach or to be taught or both mm-hmm. and remain open to that. Don't close off 100% what he said. Don't act like an asshole that's never experienced darkness. Cause that's not true. Um, and that might be your own personal bias with yourself that you're just not ready to admit that you've had darkness in your life, you know, because it's supposed to look like this picture. And I want to everybody to just throw that picture away because that's not real and it's doing you a disservice and it is keeping you from ultimately from your joy that is waiting for you. Um, and the other thing I want people to realize too is like maybe you're in a place or in a family or a situation where you don't feel like you can open up because nobody is allowing that. I will say since I've started my podcast, actually just yesterday – I had five messages just yesterday, five messages from people, and they all started out almost the exact same. Hey, Ace, I need a little bit of advice. Some of them said I need help with something or something like I do. I 100% I do not know these people. <laughs> like I, I recognize their profile. I'm really bad with names. So like I recognize profile pictures, but like we've never met in person. And that's the, yeah. usually the next thing they say is like, I know I don't really personally know you, but I just feel like you're someone that I could reach out to. And it's like, if you have nobody else in your life to reach out to, like, come talk to me and be, you know, if you're neither of those people, be a pillar that people know they feel safe with you and they can yes. talk to you. 100%. Let, give people an outlet to just get it off their chest. That's like with the secrets that I do when I do the ones just on Instagram, it's like, this is just this for some people, this is the first time they've ever put it out in writing. And I also an off, I offer a way that people can share them completely anonymously. So like they're not ready to tell me who they are and they're not, you know, they're not ready to tell anybody this. I let them do a survey monkey that's completely anonymous. And there's just so much to be said about finally putting into words what is in your head. Right. And, and you have no idea how much you can help people. Like there was a time. I use this example a lot whenever I talk about it, but there was a time a girl wrote me and she said that growing up, I was sexually assaulted by my female cousin. And I was like, Oh my God, like that's crazy. I feel like, I feel like so often what we focus on is like, you know, make sure the boys and girls are separate, yada, yada, yada. And I shared that secret. And within like 10 minutes, I had like, 10 more people sharing the exact same Mm. secret because they were like, holy shit, didn't know this was a thing, didn't know like other people went through this. I now feel safe saying this out loud. Be somebody that people can come to. Be a non-judgmental, you know, just pillar for people. And they're like, you know, I'm just, I'm, and, but make sure that you're in a place for it. I will say that like, I am 100% an empath. I've learned this about myself, but in a weird way. Like, I'm not someone like, oh, people tell me their problems and I take all of it on. If I can talk to somebody and I feel like we can have a conversation and we can kind of have this back and forth, I'm okay. I don't take it on. 
but I, I am somebody who like, if there's no conversation that can happen, like, you know, we had friends and they were telling us like kind of venting to us, like their money troubles, but I felt like they were also so closed off from having any conversation about it. They just wanted it to be like a one-sided thing for the next like three days. I would like tell Kate and I'm like, Oh fuck. I'm like so stressed out about their money. Like I'm just so, sh- and it's like, she's like, why it doesn't affect you. And I'm like, I know, but like <laughs> I didn't get my opportunity to like talk to them about it. So like, if you're someone where like all of those feelings coming at you is going to wear you down, let's, let's close it off. Let's say, let's take that option off the table. I'm in a place now where like people can come to me. And as long as I can have that back and forth, I'm okay. Absolutely. And I think too, and this, I know you can attest to this is being the pillar um, for sure. Being a listening ear when you're ready and you know, you're triggered and you have your own boundaries. Cause I think that's important too, but surrounding yourself with people who truly have your best interests at heart. And this is where the community aspect, the tribe aspect comes into play. And I know there's lots of people listening right now that are struggling with this. And I've been there where you aren't sure where the people that are surrounding you in your day-to-day life are like, I don't really know if like they have my best interest in mind. We've been friends for a long time or we're friends because my spouse and her spouse are buddies or work together or whatever, like these people that I have to be around. But truly taking inventory of people that are in your life and knowing that you have people without a shadow of a doubt who truly have your best interests in heart. That will help you get through anything you need to get through. Whether it's like, hey, babe, I need you to take me to the fucking doctor. I need to get on an antidepressant. Or, hey, babe, I want to wean off my antidepressants. Will you help me? Or, I'm having a really shitty day. I'm in a dark place and I just need someone to sit with me for a while. And they will be there. This is key for getting through anything. And as soon as they're not there, you cut them off. I agree with that. I think not to People be give like, me a hard time about that. And I'm like, <laughs> nope, nope, I, cut I them off. I'm with you on that. And you've seen me go through that. When you get divorced, you lose people, period. You lose people. You lose long-term friends. You lose family members. You lose people. That loss is individual. And you have to grieve those individual losses separately. And there's different reasons for each of them. And I will tell you that losing those people only gave space for my real people to surface and to have an opportunity for us to nurture each other on a whole new level. And I will tell you what I lost in my divorce, I gained exponentially in my singlehood. And I have people surrounding me on a daily basis who truly love me and I truly love them. And we have each other's best interests in mind. So no matter what we go through and we'll go through some more shit in this lifetime, I'm only 35. We've got a lot of shit to get through. We have each other's backs. And this is something that I have learned from not only establishing the Unraveled community, but from just being more present and open and willing to have these really deep, meaningful relationships with people surrounding me. And it's been the most beautiful blessing and something that was I didn't even realize I didn't have. So and if I, you, oh, go ahead, baby. If you have a hard time kind of grasping this concept, I'm going to make it really easy for you. <laughs> if you cut people out of your life, who do not make it better. And I'm 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 going as far as to say they don't add anything to your life. Not not even they just add negativity to your life. They don't add anything to your life. Right. 
that is less weddings you have to go to. That is less <laughs> birthday parties you have to go to. <laughs> that yes. is less Friday night game nights with all the couples you have to go to. Like, because here's the thing is like, I, this sounds really shitty, but I have a, I have a pretty high requirement from my friends in order to be my friends. And it's not stupid stuff. It's not like you need to text me every single day. I don't, I I have 600 unread text messages in my phone right now. That's not (laughs) one of my things. We don't need to talk every day. We don't need to be up each other's ass every day, but I need to know that when shit hits the fan, you're going to be there. Right. And as soon as I feel like you're not there, it's like, okay, got it. Check noted. Bye-bye. And now I I don't I don't feel bad at all. RSVP no to your wedding. Right. Oh, there are so many other things I would rather do at home than go to your stupid wedding. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, the birthday party but, thing that got me. I'm like, oh yeah, a million but, birthdays. When our best one of our best friends in the entire world, when she got married, it was like. Boom. We're going to fucking be there. We're getting a cabin down the street. Like I am all in. I want to be at your wedding. I want to dance at your wedding. I was like, Alexa, do you need me to walk you down the aisle? She's like, no, Ace. Like my dad's got that. And I'm like, what do you need me to do? Like, I want to be there. I want to support you. I love you guys. Like that's how I want to be. But I don't want to go to a wedding and just be like, meh. And it's the same thing with going right back to my business. I don't want to shoot weddings just because you're like, oh, Ace, like, we want to book you for your highest package. I'm like, okay, well, I could make six grand in one night or, but it's going to be miserable and it's going to be miserable at the wedding. It's going to be miserable after the wedding. Like I'm going to hate editing that entire wedding. Like just in your business and in your life, like you should always be searching for positive influences to be surrounded by. Yes. Yes. People that lift you up, people that are honest with you, and people that enrich your life, truly. Because like when I when I have a not a, it's not a falling out and it's not a firing, but you know when you have a client and they come to you and then you just never hear from them again, they like disappear. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's not like the experience was bad. It was like you know I gave them back a quality product. They loved the pictures, but like there was never depth there. Right. I'm okay if they don't come back. Right. Because I want that depth. Like I have. I have been through a lot of emotions with my clients. Even like, and I'm, I would, I bet you anything, a lot of my clients don't know fully how invested I get like in their lives and in their families and in their relationships. But like, even just on social media, I am connecting with these people and like, I feel like I'm along for the ride. And it's like, that's what I want because I love these people. I want to love whoever gets to stand in front of my camera. Yeah. I don't want to just do it for the money. Right. Don't get me wrong. I take those people who are offering me a paycheck and I allow them the opportunity to come in. And within five minutes, I realize ain't nothing happening here. That's when you do it for the paycheck. You're already there. You got to get that paycheck. You got to pay your bills. (laughs) Got to pay your light bill. That's what you got to do, baby. But, (laughs) you know, for the most part, it's really great for me when I get like, I'm like, oh, we have a shoot this afternoon. I'm like, woohoo, I'm so excited to see them. I want to lick their face. I want to make out with them. Like, <laughs> that's how it should be going to work. Right. I love you. That's so true. And just so true about life and relationships in general. And to tie it all together because um, 
I really, really am grateful for any opportunity to talk to you about mental health um, and to allow other people to hear you talk about mental health because I think your advice and your platform in which you speak is easy to digest and it, it it's very relatable. Um, it's not complex, but it is. You know what I mean? Because you went through so much and really immersed on the other side with the capability to help so many people with your story. Um, so to wrap it all up and to tie it all together, what advice would you give those who are in a really dark place right now? Oh, you have to find what works for you. So uh, there are a lot of people who can't talk. Like it's just, it's so foreign to them. They're like, I, I can't even begin to process the idea of openly talking to people. Right. Well, then you need to find your outlet. Like from there's, there's a, if you think about it, if we think about, you know, our depression or our anxiety or our just dark times that we're in, you know, as the pot on the stove, you know, we turn the heat up and it bubbles and bubbles and bubbles. And eventually it's going to spill over, you know, and that's, that's what happened. That's when my outburst would come. That's when the self-harming would come. That's when the suicide attempt came. Like, you know, we all know that feeling of just like, storing everything up inside and never giving it a place to go. Just find what works for you. I mean, everyone listening to this is likely a photographer. You know, if, if photography is a way for you to express yourself without words, then do that. Um, Another thing that I love to do, like literally when I tell you guys, like I have way too many feelings. Mm -hmm. I do. Um, I love more than anything. So what I'll do is I'll go on um, music bed. I'll get in the shower. I'll go on music bed and I turn on music that's acoustic. I use two two filters, acoustic and instrumental because I don't want any vocals going. And I will turn on the speaker and I will get in the shower and I will just, I will let a song come on. And if it works, I just start writing songs right in the shower. Wow. And it's literally the most therapeutic thing that I do because I get so honest, but it's so funny. Cause like, I know, I know Caitlin listens and she's probably trying to pick up on things, but like, she doesn't know exactly what it is. And sometimes it's just, it's even past stuff. She's like, God, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I just had to, you know, something came up that had happened in my past and I needed to kind of talk about it and sing about it. And it is the most therapeutic thing in the entire world. It's one of my absolute favorite pastimes. It sounds so fucking weird. No, I love it. I think it's in what I'm hearing too, because it's so beautiful is you have to release, you have to have a release. You have to have an outlet, whether it's a friend or by yourself, whether it's music or poetry or photography or a therapist, you have to have an outlet to release this stuff and effectively heal afterwards. You have to expel and heal. And that's what I'm hearing. And I think that that's awesome. And, and, and knowing that nothing is weird, nothing is too weird and nothing is off limits and truly finding your own method that works best for you to expel. And heal. So there are two shoots in my entire life that I feel like 
oh my God, I left. Like, I feel like I went out on the court if we played sports and I just left it all out on the court. Yeah. And one of them is a session. I blogged it, but I don't, I've literally blogged like twice in my entire life, (laughs) but I felt the need to blog this because I was like, holy shit. It was this underwater shoot I did. And Mm, I was like, oh my God, like I've never felt more free of everything that I went through than in those pictures. Cause yeah. I was like, that was exactly the depiction of everything that I was feeling. Um, and then the second one is one that I just did very recently. And, you know, in our, in our workshop or our workshop group, yin and yang, we have this creative competition that we're doing this summer called summer revive. And the picture that I did is for that. And I didn't even know going into it, how, much this picture would mean to me mm-hmm. and so what the challenge the very first challenge was when does this podcast come out next week okay then i'm fine yeah. i can talk about it we're not allowed to talk <laughs> about anything from this fucking contest until uh, all yes, everything's yes. out so um what i did is for the first challenge we could only get stuff that we bought at either goodwill savers dollar tree or like a thrift store yeah um, and you couldn't spend more than fifty dollars and so what I did is I went to Goodwill and I bought $42 worth of mirrors. <laughs> I tried to get the biggest mirrors that I could find. And, oh my gosh. Um, what I did is I asked our neighbor because I'm super, super superstitious. I asked our neighbor, I was like, hey, are you superstitious? He's like, no. And I was like, could you come over and break some mirrors for me? And he did. And what I did is I laid my model on this blue paper and it had gotten kind of like janky. And Hmm. which I liked. And then I laid these mirrors all over the ground and all over her. So she was actually naked, but the mirrors are covering her chonchi and chonchi. (laughs) Got it. And so, but what it was, it wasn't until I was done. Like it was like when I finished, I realized, oh, buddy, like I, yep, I know where this is coming from. And to me, I'm like, in my whole history of life, I've never named a picture. You know how like famous artists yes. like they name their picture? I had never, ever done that. I've never been like, oh, this is the Mona Lisa. Well, <laughs> like I've never named anything. And this picture, I was like, I know exactly what I'm calling this. It's called The Sky is Falling. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's funny because I show it to other people and they're like, oh, I, it looks like water. And I'm like, it's not water. It's the <laughs> sky and (laughs) what it is the way that i depicted it is this person had this perfect life like everything was just so perfect that perfect blue sky but what we find sometimes is that that perfect blue sky is actually very very fragile like a mirror like glass and that blue sky just completely fell apart fell from the sky crashed on the ground and the model I purposely have posed very, very elegant. Like she is perfectly posed. And what for me it symbolizes is this ability that when everything, when your perfect world comes crashing down, to be able to handle it with such grace is not something I've ever been able to do. Like I'm I'm one of those people like I'm fucking chicken little. Like the sky is falling and I freak yeah. out. I send the whole city into oblivion. Like everything <laughs> is mayhem. That's how I handle things. Right. And I'm like, that's not going to be me anymore. 
I am going to learn to handle life. When the sky is falling, I am going all I've ever want. My dad is somebody who, um, my dad never loses his cool. Growing up, my dad would always say, like, you know, cool, calm, collected. I'm like, oh, fuck off, asshole. Like, <laughs> like I'm 12 years old playing basketball. And he was like, cool, calm, collected. <laughs> and I've never been that. I've never been that person. And I'm like, that's what I want to strive to be. When we have kids, I want my kids to look at me and be like, you know, my dad had some shit happen and he always handled it. He never broke under the pressure. I'm so done with breaking under the pressure. And that doesn't mean that I'm not going to cry. And it doesn't mean that I'm, you know, going to be emotionless. It means that I'm going to be strong. And maybe I cry like when it happens, but like, I'm not going to let it. And it's a word I keep using throughout this interview, but I'm not going to let it paralyze me anymore. Right. And dude, it's one fucking picture. And I was just like, oh, I have cracked into something. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. But, it's amazing though. It's that's what people need. You need something to just sometimes take the feelings that you can't put into words and that you can't fully express. And you need just a way that works for you. So for me, sometimes it's songwriting, sometimes it's pictures, and sometimes it's long captions on Instagram that say continued in comments, (laughs) which we all love, by the way. And I will say that is really beautiful. And to as a PSA here, we're all on our own journeys. Um, we are all growing. It never ends. The growth never ends. And just what Ace was just talking about is so beautiful that he's leveling up his conscious mind to get to a place where he wants to be in life, where he feels better and stronger. I think that's awesome. We're all doing that constantly. There's ne- there's never an end to that. We're always growing and learning and evolving. So for those of you that are struggling right now, or for those of you that are post-struggle, pre-struggle, wherever you're at, know that it's an ever-evolving tapestry. There's ebbs and flows. This is life. It is crazy. It is fucked up. It is beautiful. Inside of all of that, inside of our fucked upness and our brokenness, there's so much room for growth. And yeah, just embrace that. And Ace, thank you so much for being here. Again, we love you so much. You're so much to this community you've brought a whole new element that it just wouldn't be the same without you. So we're very grateful for that. And you guys, I'm going to link in the show notes, his blog post to the underwater piece. So you can see that and uh, his Instagram. So you can follow along if you're not already. And uh, truly, truly, thank you. Thank you, my little sugar baby. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in. It means so much to us that you're here and we hope you walk away feeling inspired as hell. If you're not already a student in Unraveled Academy, go to www.theunraveledacademy.com. You can also access the link below. Come join us. We have a seat waiting with your name on it.